Don't get it twisted. This isn't your typical podcast. This is Typical Twist, the greatest show on earth. Get your popcorn ready, as our guests are sure to blow your mind. And now your hosts, the twisted men themselves, Crispy Creamin, Joshua Jefferson, and Tony Joloy. Hey folks, welcome back to Typical Twist. Mr. Tony Jaloy is back in the booth. He's behind the microphone. How are you doing today, Tony? Good. Actually, whenever you just said that, I forgot I didn't actually make it for the last episode. <laughs> I forgot about that. Yeah. I forgot. You were just such a busy guy, right? I'm I'm been pretty busy here lately, yes. <laughs> Nah, I'm joking with you. And if you go back and listen to the episode sometime, you'll hear me actually say that you're a crazy busy man and you have a lot on your plate right now. A little bit more, maybe, possibly, until tomorrow. (laughs) Until 3.30 a.m. Yeah, until 3.30 a.m., no. And then it's time to rock and roll. Yeah, it's been insane. I mean, I'm hoping and praying that things will start to loosen up a little bit within the next week or two. I'm hoping a lot of the stuff that's going on will eventually come to a head and we'll get some definitive answers and kind of get some definitive plans in place. And hopefully, I mean, but I don't know. I mean, I think personally, I think as far as the markets go, of course, when Brendan listens to this, he'll have his own twist on it i'm sure but i'm hoping that you know things it seems like the markets themselves are kind of leveling off a little bit so i'm hoping of course that's you know whenever you're in the midst of a recession until the next crash occurs yeah well whenever you're in the midst of a recession or on the on the verge of a recession which is what i would consider this i wouldn't say we're in a recession quite yet but we're definitely closer than we ever have been in a very long time um you just never know. You never know what what's going to go wrong next or what can go right. So hopefully I'm praying for what can go right next. And maybe we can slowly start to come out of this, you know, dip that we're in. So, but only time will tell. Tony, have you ever seen a bank run in your life? Um, I'm, as far as like, you talking about federal banks or crypto banks? <laughs> Federal banks. Okay, that's of course, to say. we've seen the most recent crypto bank run. Yeah, that's great to say. Well, but, that's why I was asking. I was like, well, yeah, I'm, that's what I'm talking about. That 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 that's a hot mess right now. But as far as federal banks, no, I've never seen that. I mean, I've read about certain instances, and of course, we're seeing one in China right now. But uh, but yeah, I was going to talk about that actually on today's episode. Oh, do you think that there's a chance that might be a domino effect into other countries here soon? Um, I wouldn't, I wouldn't want to create that kind of worry right now with the American people. I don't think that we're on that, on that kind of verge. You have to be in a depression, not a recession, but a depression. So the, the society itself, the economy itself has to be not only recessed, but it has to be completely depressed. And when I say depressed, I don't mean emotionally. Well, I guess it can be, but I mean completely exhausted. Well, I'm pretty sure people uh, emotionally will be <laughs> well, depressed yeah. if there's a depression. Well, yeah, obviously, obviously they will be. But you know, as far as what I'm seeing right now, I think that for the most part, there's no reason to be concerned for that. I don't think we're going to, I don't think, I don't think we're, we got a lot further to go to get to that point, in my opinion. What are some of the dominoes that would have to fall into place for that to occur, in your opinion? Well, I mean, first off, you would have to have your interest rates be so high that nobody could afford living. 
Um, we're not there yet. I mean, some people are complaining because interest rates have gone up, but interest rates are kind of just what what's happening right now. Unfortunately, people don't want to hear well, this. Well, let's do the math. 4% interest rates on 30% inflation. That's a pretty expensive number to live life. Well, yeah, and I do agree with that. But the interest rate itself is what I'm looking at. And all that is is a correction from from COVID. If you go back pre-COVID, you know, you would see about the same interest rates. So, and that's what people aren't understanding. People are looking at the interest rates now with the inflation on top of that. And yes, that makes it look much worse because it is much worse. But the interest rates themselves is basically just a correction for the last two years of everybody being locked down. And I think inflation, I think that there is ways we can probably control that to some degree. I don't think Biden is the guy for the job, but I think in November when the Republican Party takes over, because um, I do believe that there's going to be a huge, huge uproar as far as people coming out to vote red. Um, I think that there'll be some things implemented and I think that you will see inflation kind of maybe not get better, but I don't think you're going to see it get much worse. Now I hope and pray that I'm right when I say that. Um, but there again, only time will tell because you never know what government's going to do. You never know what politicians have up their sleeves. You don't know what, what's going to happen as far as the economy itself. But you know, my, my theory is, but I feel like we do have a general sense. Well, yeah. I mean, the general sense is, is we are in the midst of a recession or on the verge of a recession, but I'm talking about actually coming on air and saying, guys, we are definitely in a recession. We can't really say that right now um, because the signs aren't there yet. The signs aren't there. I mean, we're in bad times. We're not in good times by no Why means. Why is voting red the answer to a recession, Tony? Well, two reasons. One, if you vote red in November, then it's going to send a powerful message to the left that they need to start kind of retracting, retracting some of these big pushes in their agendas. I mean, I think that's the first big sign. I think the Democrats will get that hint. I really do. But Such as pushing woke ideology, bringing gender, race, and all this other BS into the equation for everything. Well, yeah, that one, amongst other things. I think Matt Walsh is kind of like the Jordan Peterson of uh, conservative activists. Like, I don't consider Jordan Peterson a conservative activist because he's more into psychology, but... Jordan Peterson has a very calm but yet factual approach to his debates, and Matt Walsh is no different. Like he's very calm. He's not out there to create some kind of hype. Uh, hype does sell. That's why he's not as famous as Candace Owens or Ben Shapiro or Charlie Kirk or you know some of these other people. But I mean, as far as I think changing people's perspectives, I think he probably does a better job at changing some people's perspectives than the other ones that I mentioned. Because whenever you come down to it, a debate isn't really about winning. It's about conversion. That's what a deba debate is for. And I think a lot of times, especially the younger generations, I think they forget that that's the reason why debates are in there to begin with. A debate is there to plead your case, yes, but it's not there to be a shit show. And that's what we've kind of be, we're kind of geared to think that not, I mean, this is before Trump, by the way, but we're kind of geared to think, oh, who's going to win? Is it going to be Obama or Mitt Romney? Is it going to be Trump or Biden? Is it going to be Trump or Clinton? You know, and it's not really, debates are not boxing matches. Don't you think the media is to blame for that too, though? Because the next morning, well, Trump yeah. definitely won. Well, Biden yeah. definitely 100%. won. 100%. So they're programming the people <laughs> with that logic. Yeah. And I mean, at the end of the day, you got to ask, you got to ask yourself, and this is what I ask myself is 
I don't ask myself who won the debate because you really don't know who won. I mean, at the end of the day, you really truly don't know who won the debate. Does anyone truly win a debate? Huh? Does anyone truly win a debate? No, well, yeah. And that's what I'm saying. The true winner is the person who converts the most people at the end of that debate. And that's what a debate is for. If you really think about the definition of the debate itself, the debate is to put both theories forward, meaning people, and then the audience and the people watching at home, which would also be the audience, are the ones who sit there and say, man, I was going to vote for Trump, but now I think this, or I was going to vote for Clinton, but now I think this way. And that's the way a debate was originally set up. And back whenever we actually had true presidential debates, you know, during the Kennedy years and during the Roosevelt years. And true years, elections. Yes, and, and true elections. You know, the I American people would do that. was probably the last president, around JFK was probably the last fair presidential race or run. And then once JFK got into office, I think some people with a lot of money said no more of that. Whenever you think of the Obama and I mean, I will say this and I'm not an Obama fan by any means, but Obama won both of his debates very well. Now, Mitt Romney is a smart man. I like Mitt Romney personally. I think he's done a lot of good for the Republican party, but he completely just did not make it. He he totally missed the missed the cue on his debate. And I think Mitt Romney would admit that if you ever ask him in person. I think Mitt Romney would admit that Obama basically just take us back. Let's rewind for a few minutes. What did Mitt Romney do wrong in his presidential run, Tony? In your opinion, and why did you vote for Obama? Well, for one, I didn't. I didn't vote. vote I didn't vote for Obama the second time. But I'm saying Obama won okay. the debate. And again, there goes. Okay, there. so then what changed from when Obama? Obama ran the first time until the second time from your perspective. Well, the first time Obama ran, the first time Obama ran against he McCain, didn't tell, right? yeah, against McCain. He, for one, McCain picked Sarah Palin. I'm not a fan of Sarah Palin at all. I think she's one of the most. Why? Because she's from Alaska, which is connected no. to Can- Canada. No. <laughs> um, Sarah Palin's not smart. I mean, tell me one damn thing she has done good with our society. She's not a smart woman. She's a dumbass. I would be a better candidate than Sarah Palin. The only reason McCain picked her was because whoa, she was a whoa, damn female. Whoa, whoa, whoa. No, no, not whoa, whoa, whoa. I'm giving you straight facts. Like, Sarah Palin was a terrible governor of Alaska. <laughs> she did nothing for their tourism. She did nothing for I the betterment of business. I can't wait her on the show. Oh, I can't I wait for you to get her on the show. Face. I will tell it to her face because she's a dumbass. She's a 100% dumbass, which is why the American people did not vote for her. Go back and look at the numbers. The American okay, people said no. Okay, but look at the no. current VP. Look at Kamala. <laughs> All right, let's compare Kamala versus Sarah Palin. What? Who's more of a retard, Tony? I mean, why would you even say that for? Are you trying to like get a quick one over on me here? Like, I'm not going to like back in the corner just because Sarah Palin is maybe a little smarter than Kamala Harris. I ain't saying either one of them is smart. Both of them are dumbasses. But is I'm it say- because they're women? No. <laughs> to be honest with you, I'll floor you with this one. I'll floor you with this one, Josh. Okay. Period. And you, oh, you can, you can, you can deny me. Well, if you would, <laughs> if you would shut up and let me talk, I would. <laughs> But with Hillary Clinton, feed it to me, Tony Jalloy. With Hillary Clinton, Hillary Clinton was actually a much smarter choice than Obama. She would have done a much better job at president than Obama. Period. There is no debating that. Oh my that. gosh. There, you can say, "Oh my gosh," all you want. There's no debating that. She had more experience. I mean, Obama. Obama became the poster child. That's that's what Obama became. He became the poster child. I mean, and here's the thing, Josh, if she's such a stupid woman, why did Obama pick her to be his damn secretary of state? I mean, come on now, let's get real. I mean, if she's such a stupid woman, she served in the Senate 
for what two terms i believe it was in new york state she served in the white house for eight years as the first lady she served as the first lady of arkansas for eight years while bill clinton was governor of arkansas so she's not a dumb woman i mean i don't like her ways i don't like her policy stuff like that but at one time hillary clinton was against gay marriage at one time hillary clinton was against abortion she's been bought out that don't make her stupid as far as personally because you still have that intelligence internally i mean you know bought you out or bought it out well wink, that wink. too i don't know but anyways <laughs> i'm just saying like i'm just saying at the end of the day she she is a she's smart at what she does and why this nation picked obama over hillary i'll never understand i mean we were a complete dumbass nation for doing that I mean, Obama, for one, did not disclose that he was going to be a supporter of core education, which he obviously started adopting as soon as he won the first term in 2008. So that turned me against him right away. If he would have disclosed that in the presidential debates, I would have been against him and went and voted for McCain. The reason I was kind of against McCain— Can you explain what he implemented a little bit more, please, Tony? Well, core education, which is basically the beginning part of the adoption of, of basically more governored— not really CRT per se. I mean, of course, it didn't help because they didn't know anything about CRT back then. But more like they were nitpicky. Um, they did away with a lot of guidelines. Less of what the parents wanted for the kids and more of what the government wants for the kids. Exactly. More government, less less parents. That's pretty much what core education implemented. I mean, that's what did away with your teachers that's being bullshit. able. That's what did away with your teachers being able to bring snacks into the classroom. That's what did away with, and that's a small thing there. That's what did away with a lot of things, really. I mean, as far as your educational teachers cannot pieces. bring snacks into the classroom anymore. No, you can't public. have you can't have classroom parties anymore. They they that's core education eliminated that because it's considered a health risk. Um, so just oh. a lot of different things. But here's the funny thing: is not only did they do away with that, but they also did away with a lot of the requirements for physical education. So that's why you have fat asses running around instead of you know kids that are fit. So, well, that's not the only reason, but it's one of the reasons. Well, of course. And the thing that hurt too in 2008 was McCain was way too old. I mean, he picked a dumbass vice president. And even though I'm not a big but Joe McCain Biden, himself was pretty stupid. Well, McCain actually was a pretty smart, pretty smart guy, but he he was too old. Of course, fast he forward to me now, a lot of Joe Biden in this current term. Exactly. Of course, he was more sane than Joe Biden. But now I will say this. Yeah. If you compare Joe Biden's debate to Sarah Palin's debate back then, Joe, which Joe Biden was very well spoken. Joe Biden is actually a pretty smart man if you go back in time and look at him. But, of course, now dementia Before has Before he started in. to lose his mind. Exactly. Exactly. So that's what I'm saying. But Sarah Palin was a terrible choice. That really – I think Kind of like how he sold all of our oil reserves to China. Yeah, but we're talking about the 2008. Country, the so. one. Okay, well <laughs> – I'm just going to bring up some of the dumb things he's done. So, I mean, you know, but that that's what hurt us in 2008. If we would have picked a younger person for the Republican Party and we would have picked a better vice presidential candidate, the only reason why Sarah Palin was picked was because she was a female. And that's the answer to your question. I mean, you said, you know, do you hate her because she's female? No, but she was picked because she was female. So that's the question we need to ask. I mean, I don't hate anybody yeah. based on their sex, but they have to be qualified to run for an off. That's why I'm against Kamala Harris, even though Kamala Harris, in my opinion, is better qualified than actually Sarah Palin was, ironically. But but I'm, I'm saying, like, you have to have some qualifications. And Obama Wait, was just a state five senator. Five to ten minutes ago, you were just saying that Kamala Harris is a little dumber than Sarah Palin. Now you're no, saying No, I never said opposite. that. I never said that. 
Like, don't back me in a corner just so I have to put Sarah Palin a little higher than Kamala. No, I, I never said that. I never said Kamala Harris was dumber. But I'm just saying, like, okay. she's definitely not smart either. Oh, so you're going to get me on the technicalities now. Honestly, all I'm saying is, is at the end of the day, you shouldn't pick someone based on sex. But and that's exactly. I mean, it's, no. I mean, at the end of the day, the facts are the facts. The, the numbers are already in. That's a race that's done been ran. So I'm not, I'm not telling anything new. I'm just telling you why they lost. So take it for what it's worth. So I mean, if they would have picked a better vice presidential candidate, we would have had a much better chance of winning. I mean, Sarah Palin and of course Joe, uh, Joe, uh, John McCain's age. Them are the two things that really hurt us in 2008. But um, and that's just the facts. That's not me being whatever that you know, take it for whatever it's worth. I don't really give a shit, but I mean, at the end of the day, if they would have picked something better, you know, someone better qualified in both areas, then that race would have turned out much differently because Obama was just a state Senator. He had nothing going for him. I mean, it was kind of like the whole Clinton Sanders. Obama was also born in a different country. Yeah, possibly. I mean, that's, That was another debate back then, obviously. That was another big debate, and Trump was actually part of that. Didn't that get brought up at the debate nights? Um, I can't remember if it got brought up or not. It definitely was brought up on media. I mean, media was definitely going after that. A lot of people was trying to figure out what the heck was going on with that. Trump was a big person that was part of that. And, you know, that that right there, <laughs> there was actually a clip where Obama— Truth in plain sight, Tony. There's a, there's a clip— Yeah, I feel like Trump... Kind of like he's preparing us for his second coming. Yeah, I feel like Trump probably knew he was going to run, I would say, at least four years before he did, if I was guessing. So, probably... Because Trump is not a big uh, Mitt Romney fan, which I'm not a big Mitt Romney fan myself. I think Mitt Romney's good at his job, don't get me wrong, but I mean, as far as if I had to pick you know, my favorite people on the Republican side, I'd Mitt Romney definitely wouldn't be in the top five. But... um. But I mean, a lot of people did like Mitt Romney and Mitt Romney is a very prominent businessman. I mean, he's, you know, he's definitely good at business as well, just like Trump. But, you know, he just kind of screwed up himself there. And then, of course, fast forward to the Clinton Trump era. Then, like Chris said, that whole debate was a shit show. But it goes back to what we were discussing originally about debates, Josh. And that's why Obama won. Because the debates are about conversion, basically. And when I say conversion, I don't mean you're on on board with that person all the way, but you are you are you are picking one of them two people to be the leader of your country, the leader of the free world. So you want someone that is well spoken, and that is something that Obama definitely had. And I will give that to him all day long. He was a better speaker than uh, McCain. He was a better speaker than Palin. He was a better speaker than Clinton. Um, the only person I think I've ever seen better, and no, it's not Trump, but the only person I've ever seen better at speaking than Obama, to be honest, if I had to pick, would be probably John F. Kennedy. Um, Obama probably was one of our— I thought you were going to say Ronald Reagan. Ronald Reagan wasn't bad, but honestly, if you look at the speeches and the structure and the way they present themselves, I'd probably have to give it still to Obama. Obama does handle himself very well under pressure, but— now, someone I will give give it to if they ever ran for president, and that is Candace Owens and Ben Shapiro. They are probably two of the best public speakers that I've ever listened to. They handle their cool super well under pressure. They are bombarded as far as their facts and their mind are just right there at the, at the flip of a switch. They can usually 
reply very quickly to anybody's question as far as if it pertains to the realm of knowledge. But yeah, as far as presidents go, yeah, I think John F. Kennedy definitely was the best speaker. And honestly, out of all the presidents in our history, I would probably say Obama is the second best speaker we ever had as far as speaking abilities. Um, but John F. Kennedy just was amazing because John F. Kennedy knew how to convey a message kind of like Obama through body language, through staring at people. And he didn't just stare at people, but he stared through them. And, you know, you got to remember that we only got three years. We only got three years of Kennedy before he was assassinated. And look at the impact that he had. Look at the speeches he gave just in 36 months that changed that was back when the Democrats used to hate the CIA, the FBI. Yeah. They hated Big Pharma. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> all the companies that they suck off nowadays and all of the departments of the U.S. government yeah. that they used to hate, they now suck off. Definitely a big flip. It's ironic. Yeah, definitely a big flip. But then again, most of our country has slowly shifted farther and farther to the left. You mentioned it earlier tonight. Hillary Clinton did not support abortion. She didn't support gay marriage. And she eventually changed her beliefs. And now we're starting to see even Republicans shift to that end of the spectrum. When 50 to 75 years ago, that was never even thought of by a Republican. Yeah. Or Heck, even Joe Biden. My new percent of Democrats. Joe Biden and Obama both once were against abortion and gay marriage. I mean, a lot of your a lot of your Democrats, if they are older than 10 years in the game, well, maybe 15 years now. Well, it's probably go 10 years. If they've been in the game longer than- Like Joe than, Manchin, Nancy Pelosi, all of them, yeah. I'm guessing. Now, Joe Manchin, I will give him credit. He's not really changed his stance. I don't think he's changed his stance much on gay marriage or abortion because, of course, I mean, he's supported, you know- the opposite he's and he actually advertises himself as pro-life in the state of West Virginia when he runs for office. So, I mean, I've never sat down with him and like drilled him on exactly what he believes and how he believes it. But I, I think he's one of the few um, conservative Democrats left or some people call old school Democrats, because if you go back in time, John F. Kennedy was the same way, obviously. I mean, it, it just, that's just the way times were back then. And of course now you fast forward. Now you have all these people switching over because if they don't they have to switch parties and joe manchin is kind of the that's because their ideas are fucking crazy their progressive ideas are literally nuts if a hundred years ago most of these ideas were not accepted by a society there's a reason for it there's also a reason why society didn't see the rates of depression anxiety suicide drug overdoses addiction like there's a reason why this shit didn't just like start to change, you know? Well, I mean, it, I'll go back to something better than even presidents, better than Kennedy or Trump or anybody like that. And that's the Bible. And the Bible says in the last days, what's right will seem wrong and what's wrong will seem right. Well, you know, you got to ask yourself, of course, Bible don't go this deep into it, but I do as far as psychology wise. How do you get to that point? Well, you get to that point by the tiptoe effect. You get to that point by slowly progressing away from what is right to what is wrong and making it right. So, and the devil is very deceptive. Exactly, making bad things seem good. So, like you're doing the right thing. Yeah. And Tony's talked about it before. Exactly. Yeah. And that—that's what I tell people Tony's all the time. Talk, huh? You've talked about it before. How they use 
inclusive words such as real love or well, of whatever course. it is for what I mean take some of your most recent push, words but, take some of your most recent ones like gay gay used to mean happy I mean that was a commonly used word and you know people have turned it into this evil thing or the rainbow I mean the rainbow itself you can't have anything now with a rainbow on it without thinking homosexual tendencies of some sort like homosexual motives of some exactly. sort exactly so you used to a hundred years ago, if you saw those colors, it would remind you of what you see in the sky. Yeah. So, I mean, that, and of course, the most recent one is pedophilia. Pedophilia, we used to call them pedos and pedophiles. Now they're wanting to call them, you know, maps, you know, maps. minor attracted people or minor attracted persons. So, you know, it's, it's a slow progression away from what's wrong, obviously, into that middle area, which that middle area usually can last a long time because that's the psychology part working. And the Bible knows, I mean, of course, Jesus knows all this. I mean, he knew all this more than we do because he created us. But I'm just saying, like, the Bible don't go this deep into it, but I'm just telling the people listening, like, that's how things get from that point to that point. That's how things go from, okay, 200 years ago, this was wrong. 200 years later, this is right. Well, how does that happen? Well, it happens through a progression. It happens through a progression of changing words. It happens through a progression of changing laws. It just happens through a progression of changing society. And that's why I've always said from the time changing I— Changing leaders, too. That's yeah. a big thing. And that's For why example, I've always said— when we think back to World War II, we think of people in concentration camps. And a vast majority of society thinks about how awful it is. But yet, those same people were supporting people that were put into concentration camps during covid they're the same people who are silent about Christians being raped in China right now. Exactly. It's awfully ironic, isn't it? But I mean, that's how you get to that point. That's how you get away from, and I think people really forget that sometimes. I think people think they're just going to wake up one day and the world's going to be just shit. No, the world's going to get there slowly. It ain't going to get there fast. It's going to get there. I mean, it seems like it's fast, but I mean, you got to think this whole process probably, in my opinion, started before 9-11. But a lot of it started during 9-11 with the Patriot Act. That was the invasion of privacy. And, you know, of course, we've progressed slowly but surely over the last 20, 23 years and into this new phase. And, you know, that that's my thing. Of course, people say, well, you know, right new now. New phase, new age. <laughs> yeah. And that's how you get there. I mean, like the Bible isn't going to go into the details and be and, – I talked to some of my friends that, you know, are in the Christian oh, genre. Donald Trump's going to take office and then blah, 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 blah. No. No, I mean, that's not going to happen either. I mean, not one person's going to be able to change it. It's going to take a group effort. But the thing is, is what the Bible says is going to happen. I'm a firm believer in that because this is God's earth. This is God's world. We are God's people. He created us. He knows what's going to happen more than we know what's going to happen. Can we alter it to some degree? I'm sure we can because he gives us the free will to do that. He gives us the free will to choose who we're going to worship. But also at the same time, if you look back in the Bible where God has stepped in and has wiped humanity clean, it's when they pull themselves farther and farther away from him. Well, exactly. Yeah. And like I've said before, That's when he on, hits the reset. Like I've said before on this show, I think on, on typical twists, I think that, I think I've said it on here, maybe just in private conversation. I can't remember, but I mean, you look at the two times he's destroyed the earth. Only one family made it out. So that's that right there alone is enough to show people that this persona that people keep putting out there, and this goes to Christians too because they're bad about it, that God loves everybody. Yeah, God does love everybody. I'm a firm believer in that. But he obviously mm-hmm. don't love the ways as much as people think because he only saved one family in both instances. 
I mean, Lot and his wife was the only family that got set, and their kids was the only people he allowed out of the city of Sodom and Gomorrah before he burned it to the ground. And he even turned. What about Moses? And then, of course, huh? Or what about Noah's Ark? Oh, no. Okay. I thought, sorry. I, I knew you probably got him confused. Yeah. And then, of course, then you got Noah. And Noah and his family was the only ones he let out during the Great Flood. He, you know, he gave him the, the inclination to build the, build the Great Ark and to be able to escape, you know, death. And so only two times in the history that we know of, because the Bible speaks of it, that God destroyed. Can you imagine how many people walked by Noah's Ark as he was building it and they were just laughing? And then that day when they were drowning, they were like, that dude, he was right. Well, yeah. And what really amazes me, and I'm not saying only one family is going to make it out alive this time. I hope more people make it out than that. But what I'm saying is, is it should make people really think long and hard about the next time the earth is destroyed, which in my opinion will be the final time. That'll be the final calling. And I think, because that's what the Bible says. That's why I believe it that way. So if only one family made it out the first time and one family made it out the time that he destroyed Sodom and Gomorrah, the track record kind of proven itself. I mean, he, he's a, he's an, he's an all loving God, but he doesn't love all ways. And I think preachers need to stop yeah. saying that preachers need to stop saying you know, oh, he loves you just how you are. You don't have to change. He, no matter if you're gay, straight, no matter if you're transgender. Jesus died so you can sin and keep sinning and keep yeah. repetitively sinning. No, that is not why Jesus died. So I think we need to be careful doing that. I'm not going to put words there because I'm not Jesus or God, obviously, and I'm not going to put words there. But I think people need to be careful, you know, as far as saying, getting up on stage and saying, you're fine just the way you are. I mean, there was actually a Christian song called come just as you are. And I've always said that that is not a song that I would have written. It's not a song I would have supported, even though it's a famous song, because I think it's very misleading. I mean, I don't think, I don't think Jesus ever once in the Bible told anybody to come just as they were. I think he required change. And, um, and I don't know of any instance that he didn't require change actually, to be honest. I mean, and the thing is, is I've always told people, you know, a lot of churches nowadays like to have this thing of, you know, say a prayer. Well, I see, Coming how you are, like, I, I get that part, you know, because I think we've all done things we've regretted, things that we are not very proud of, and the church and Jesus is very welcoming with open arms. So I can see that point of come as you are, but you can't keep coming as the bad person who you are. You have to start to take accountability and change your life. Do you have anything else to add to this episode? No, okay. I'm good. Tony, too. you good? Yeah, I'm good too. All right. Thank you folks so much for tuning in to typical twist. We will catch you on Sunday. Adios amigos. Later guys. Thanks for listening. We hope you enjoyed the show for more cool content like this. Follow at typical twist on Twitter and Instagram and visit typicaltwist.com. You won't regret it. See you next time on typical twist.